genuinely, I think it's because I'm so passionate about film and TV that to me, that's the only answer. It's the only route forward is to mm. keep exploring my industry. And I think when you say I didn't pivot, I actually think that's inaccurate. I think mm. our industry evolves so much that you have to keep pivoting mm, within true. the industry. Within, yeah. mm -hmm. So if anything, you know, the way I've grown and developed in this industry, I've had to pivot. I've had to pivot from purely TV broadcast content to digital content to online platforms to now moving into the world of AI mm -hmm. to, you know, whether it's the consulting or the coaching. COVID came and now we were doing courses. And it's one of those situations where you have to keep pivoting. I believe in mm -hmm. that fully. I've just been fortunate enough to love my industry and there have been a lot of developments mm -hmm. in it True. which have allowed me to keep pivoting within the industry. The Alpha Talks podcast crafts you and your business into an alpha, not for the faint-hearted. I am Saif Al-Hakim, serial entrepreneur and your success mentor, founder of the Alpha Movement, and people call me the Alpha. And that's for a reason, of course. With 20 plus years of experience and eight figures portfolio of businesses, myself and the show guests will be striking thunder of top-notch listening in business and mindset. No bull, just first-class value, not like others. So join us now to become your own version of an alpha. So welcome back alphas to a new episode of the Alpha Talks. Today I have a very special guest, a very special alpha. A lady who is killing it in media, in TV and content creation, especially video. And we will talk about video a lot in this episode. And on top of that, she's one of the best networkers I've ever met. And I really mean it. We've got introduced to each other in the Young Arab Leaders community. And today she's with me here in the studio. She is the creator and executive producer of DXB Today, a daily show on Dubai One, and a regional support consultant for BNI New Dubai, and the CEO, CEO of TI22 Films. Dubai On Demand, and much, much more. Welcome, Reem Elhoni, on, uh, on the Alpha Talks podcast today. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me, Safe. I'm super pumped and excited to be Same here. Same here. We will do it. Absolutely. So, Reem, before we start, let's say that somebody saw the title of the podcast and saw the thumbnail on Spotify or YouTube or whatever platform. Tell us why they should give us their time and watch this episode just a rough thing why wow i well, need the hook the hook yeah because if you're not visible you're invisible that's video yeah that's video okay let's start with the first thing a, a little bit about your background can you tell us a little bit about your journey a little bit give the people like understanding about your story sure um I'm highly obsessed with the world of film and television. So I've been one of those fortunate people who's been obsessed with this since I was a child and basically did everything in my power to ensure that this would become my life and my career from a very young age. So, uh, and I think as we continue this conversation, you'll see just how much that's ingrained in my veins um, mm -hmm. and also how massive action has led to me really changing things in my life to get to where I am today. I grew up in the UK. My first internship was at NBC when they were based in London. Video, video, video. Video, video. Media. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and actually, I remember that very first feeling. I remember going into my first TV studio 
And it was a bit like, you know, just being having that behind the scenes look into like live news reporting. And I remember looking at the news reporter and remember this is way before the days of Zoom and seeing how he was dressed formally on the top and had his like short shorts and, yeah. and his sandals <laughs> down below. And at the time I felt like I was really seeing something that the outside world didn't see. And it was just that moment where I thought, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. And everything I've done from that point on has been very, very focused to ensure that I keep growing in this industry and keep people learning. I have to say one thing, which is really, um, I respect it very much. A lot of people that I talk to, they start somewhere and they pivot down the line. Like myself, let's say I'm an engineer by education and then ended up in marketing and business and entrepreneurship at the end. But you, Reem, you studied media, you continued media, you created your own companies in media, so you didn't pivot. That shows for me your dedication to your, I would say, your passion, because at the end of the day, it's 100% passion, and very few people do that. How did you manage to do that? With all, I would say, what we pass through life, there's a lot of attractions that comes and can take from us from the focus. Like, I'm an engineer. No, I found my passion in marketing, but you didn't happen. Genuinely, I think it's because I'm so passionate about film and TV that to me, that's the only answer. It's the only route forward is to mm. keep exploring my industry. And I think when you say I didn't pivot, I actually think that's inaccurate. I think mm. our industry evolves so much that you have to keep pivoting mm, within true. the industry. Within, yeah. mm -hmm. So if anything, you know, the way I've grown and developed in this industry, I've had to pivot. I've had to pivot from purely TV broadcast content to digital content to online platforms to now moving into the world of AI mm -hmm. to, you know, whether it's the consulting or the coaching, COVID came and now we were doing courses. And it's one of those situations where you have to keep pivoting. I believe in mm -hmm. that fully. I've just been fortunate enough to love my industry. And there've been a lot of developments mm -hmm, in it, true. which have allowed me to keep pivoting within the industry. So to answer that question, I feel like I've pivoted mm -hmm. a lot, within, um, with but with true. a focus in my field. But that's extremely nice because, you know, sometimes industries die. And I think in your case, your, your industry by itself, as you said, evolved dramatically. And you had a chance to hold to this industry and pivot within. But I actually just want to add something mm -hmm. to that because I often, I still produce TV shows. Mm -hmm. So I often get told by people, well, isn't TV dying? Yeah. Like, why are you still producing TV shows? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yes. I agree with that. And yes, there's going to come a time where everyone is just focused on online content. But we're in a world which still respects television. So in my perspective, it's not always either or. Mm -hmm. It's like, how do you combine the two? So how do you take that experience in broadcast and the credibility that broadcast can bring and, and then add that digital dimension so you now have the reach and the engagement that people want and that brands want today? And bringing those two worlds together, not many people can do. So it's about how do you now keep pivoting and adding But onto Can you give us an set. example on this? Because that's an interesting topic. So TV, you say it didn't die. And you're adding to it the digital. Give, give us an example. How you do it? So, for example, I know we're going to talk about DXB today, exactly. which is the, the show that uh, mm. I currently have on air. To me, I see it in people's eyes. I see the difference when mm -hmm. I ask, invite someone to come on as a guest on the show mm -hmm. versus coming on, let's say, an online show. Mm -hmm. the, the, the feeling, you see sure. it. You see it. Mm -hmm. For a lot of people, it's on their bucket list. For a lot of people, it's like TV appearance, tick, mm -hmm. you know? True. And it is one of those things which, especially in the Arab world, there's still a lot of prominence that's put on 
broadcast. If I tell my my, my dad's generation, mm-hmm. if I tell my dad's generation that I appeared on the BBC mm-hmm. versus I appeared on XYZ YouTube true, channel, true. it has a very different weight. Credibility. Credibility. So I think it's about how do you now get that credibility that a broadcaster can give you, but then create bite-sized content from that appearance and really push it on digital platforms so you now get the reach and make sure the right audience can see it. Extremely nice. So it's a combination of the two. It's never all eggs on the broadcast or all eggs on digital. It's how do you leverage the assets of both to get a completely new I love this insight. And you know, like, we will do something we added on this show. We will get a beat here. Once the alpha guest says something that really makes makes the mark we will bam because that's really something nice. we're going to be bamming a lot today absolutely okay. absolutely that's a little bit about the uh, dxb today the dxb today was a great opportunity honestly um for those people who are in the uae or even followers of dubai one they'll remember back in an era where we used to produce a lot of english language content um i was fortunate actually to be the the second employee at dubai one back in 2007 Oof. Uh, produced, wrote, directed the first English language TV show wow, called Out and About, and it did great. Um, but, you know, times have changed and, and things things evolved since then. And thankfully, Expo was an opportunity to bring local television back. So we produced mm-hmm. a daily live TV show for Expo. And I think that brought back the interest in local TV content. So um, around this time last year, I was approached by Dubai Media Incorporated and, uh, and asked if I would work on this TV show. And it was, it's been an amazing adventure. We've been on air since January, so mm-hmm. we're about to enter our third season. Um, and honestly, what I love about this is having a, an empty canvas, mm-hmm. having an opportunity to really create a show that will engage local communities, showcase what's happening in the city, because like, there's such a huge interest in Dubai right now. But honestly, I see it as a vehicle to grow visibility for brands, for entities, for individuals who maybe haven't had the opportunity in other ways. Mm -hmm. So as a result, for anyone who watches the show, they'll know that we actively spotlight entrepreneurs, young entrepreneurs who are homegrown. We actively showcase young performers, Mm -hmm. which I'm really surprised, I'm surprised to see the impact it's had on the performance industry because think about it. Entrepreneurs are at least somewhat entrepreneurial. Mm -hmm. They will still go and get PR. They'll still go and What does an artist do? they perform. Mm -hmm. So they're not always as strong at getting the PR mileage that they need. So that's a segment I'm really proud of on the show. And we really just cover all the happening news in the city. And it's a daily show. It's a daily show. Mm -hmm. Um, We're back in October and uh, it's on every evening at 8pm on Dubai One. Mm -hmm. And packaged Mm -hmm. and promoted on YouTube and digital platforms. Mm -hmm. So So you're combining the both. Every platform. Yeah. Very well. Okay. We were supposed to have this uh, episode last week. But Reem wasn't here. And when I asked her, where are you going? She said, I'm traveling. And then on her LinkedIn, I noticed that she's posting from an event. And this event is Business Mastery by Tony Robbins. And this event is really great. And I would really recommend anybody to participate in these kind of events. But my question here, why... Reem, why did you participate in this event? And also, if you participate in such events, it means that personal development runs in your veins. It means you really believe in personal development and development and education is something that never stops. So can you tell us more about this? 
I definitely think I'm a lifelong learner. I feel like I started my education after I graduated. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think you're never really prepared for the world of entrepreneurship. So especially when I started my business, I went into this whole dilemma of like, I know that I'm a great producer. I know what to do in the content space, but how do I get a business up and running? Mm -hmm. So it really became ingrained in me to learn everything I could, read everything I can, sign up to every workshop, every course. And I realized that I really thrived on it. The more knowledge I learned, and I'm very much an implementer. Mm -hmm. So I learn and implement and you see what works and you try Mm -hmm. again. And and it's really something that um, has made a very big difference in my life. Um, I know we're going to talk about networks and networking, but I've I've joined networks that are very uh, focused on learning as well. Um, And if you're going to look at learning, it doesn't get better than Tony Robbins. Mm -hmm. You know, for me, I I love the man. You know, Mm -hmm. I just love the energy. I love the passion. I love the storytelling. You know, the way he actually teaches you uh, techniques in the business world through his stories that alone is something to learn from. Um, and I find that if you're going to learn, you should learn from the best. If mm-hmm. you're going to be surrounded by people, you want to be surrounded by people who are the next level up. You want to be pushing yourself to keep keep pushing for more. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I actively seek out these events. I literally flew to Florida and back. Absolutely. Just for, mm-hmm. the, just for the five days. She missed the podcast last week. I know. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> but I've come back super pumped. So there's like a whole new level of energy. She came back almost yesterday. Yeah, but yeah. It's, it's honestly, it, it makes a difference. And, and actually, even if I park learning in the business side, I would say that it makes a difference to my mentality and my positivity 100%. and just my energy level. So... I, I'd almost, I think he even mentioned that uh, Stanford have done a study mm-hmm. in terms of how his events uh, help influence people, influence people, people who have depression. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's really shown that his events have left an indelible mark. 100%. So for me, like, you know what? Worst case scenario, true. you come back with a positive attitude. Primed so, up. Yeah, exactly. it's, it's worth the trip. But Rima, question here, because I get a lot of these kind of questions, which simply says like, okay, I believe as safe, the best investment that you do is you invest in yourself. Okay. So once you invest in yourself, you have all the possibilities and opportunities that present to you. But the thing is, I get this kind of question, which is, where do I start? So, okay, you tell me personal development. Okay. Where do I start? How do you tell people where to start in personal development journey? So I think on the personal development journey, everyone's going to start somewhere different. They're going to mm-hmm. start where they're need is my actual learning journey i i link to entrepreneurship because that was my need my need was how do i grow in this space how do i learn more in this space and i also think it's about who you surround yourself with um so i happen to which i, I you mentioned earlier i'm a regional consultant for bni new dubai i happen to join an organization called bni and it is a group that is filled with entrepreneurs who also believe in lifelong learning who Mm -hmm. also have training as a core component. And I think being surrounded by other business owners who have that mindset definitely brushed off on me. Because now you're in that situation where you're no longer the odd one out. You're Mm -hmm. now one of a team and you're all learning together. And, oh, what did you read this week? What do you read next week? So I'm a big believer that your peer group makes a very big difference. And that's probably where you should start. Mm -hmm. um, Is like, look at who you're surrounded with. And what are they doing to learn? And what are they trying to read? And, and maybe that's uh, a good benchmark. And as Tony Robbins like, says, like, the best thing to do if you want to reach something is to model people. Really? So as you said, like, the first thing that you need to, do, to know, guys, is you need to set your goals. And after that, you develop yourself in these things. Because 
what Reem developed herself is different than what I developed myself. There are comments 100%, but it depends on the goals at the end of the day. So start with your goals. Reem, tell me a little bit about media and content. That's a crazy industry. So if we're talking about content in general, 100%, there are people that do content in a haphazard form, and there's the correct way of doing the content, which is having a content strategy. Can you define content strategy for people and how you do it for yourself so people can take the tips and execute, guys? So I genuinely think the first thing you need to think about is your objective. Why are you even doing this? And your objective mm -hmm. is going to be very different to my objective. So just to give you an example, if you could be focused on generating sales, that's very different to me being focused on building a personal brand or thought leadership. And because our objectives are different, we need to now look at creating very different types of content very different types of content, which will hopefully deliver the outcome that we want. Mm -hmm. So again, I'm just going to do this in a video form and give mm -hmm. you an example. If I produce a video where I talk about the latest advancement in AI, the latest camera technology that's come out, how AI is being used in post-production, is that going to get me a new client? Probably not. No. Because they don't care, right? Will it get me a speaking opportunity, an article in a magazine? Probably yes, mm -hmm. because now... Publishers, editors, they see me as an expert in my field. However, if my objective is to generate sales, then the kind of content I'd put out there is telling people how video is going to help them in their business, how they can generate more sales through a video. Now, suddenly, I've got business owners thinking, oh, I need to start with video. Mm -hmm. And I get an inquiry. So it all really stems from knowing your objective. If I understand what I want to achieve, then I do need to create a content strategy that creates the relevant content to help me reach that objective. So I think number one is objective. know your objective. Number two, really understand what do you want to be known for? Mm -hmm. Because I think you and I wear many, many different hats, mm -hmm, right? True. But we don't necessarily talk about all of those hats because that'll confuse People. the outside world, true. right? So you want to choose the one or two things that you want to be known for so that when people, in my case, people hear video, hear TV, that's what I want to be known for. Bam. Right? Love this. So once you're known for those things, mm -hmm. then automatically... That's, that rings in people's True. ear and they know who to call. So know what you want to be known for. Know your objective. Be passionate about it. I've seen so many people who, unfortunately, just aren't that passionate about the area of expertise that they have. And what tends to happen is they lose momentum. Mm -hmm. They start creating content and then a few weeks in, a few months Done. in, they're like, oh, why? Done. Because they haven't seen the results. This is a long-term game. This is not a situation where you're going to see results quickly. In the video world, I often tell people, you have to wait till around video 12 to video 13 before someone says, oh, I've been watching your videos. Exactly. You know, 12 mm -hmm. or 13. How many yeah. people do you know have the patience True. to wait three, four months to just hear that? That's not even an inquiry. That's just someone saying, I've seen you. True. Right? Let alone all the people who post a video. Obviously, you post your first video, the planet is going to like it and love it. And, oh, my bro, my bro. The second Amazing. one. Second one, it gets a little quieter by the third one. Yeah, okay, That's we've done. seen this, mm -hmm. right? But what people keep confusing is like we don't want to attract our existing audience. They already know us. It's about how do we grow our visibility to attract the people who don't. Mm -hmm. So once you start to understand that everything you're creating is not for your friends and family, you're creating it for your potential customers, mm -hmm. that should be a switch in your head of how to develop your content strategy. True. When it comes down to the specifics, like I genuinely do plan mm -hmm. looking at what's the content that's going to be the most relevant to my audience. 
the key things or the best performing videos are ones that educate and ones that entertain. True. So most people struggle with entertaining. Mm -hmm. I struggle mm -hmm. with entertaining. Mm -hmm. So educating is usually the way to True. go, right? Mm -hmm. And if you look even deeper, the most Googled words are how to and how do I. Mm -hmm. So if the most Googled words are how to and how do I, then for the love of God, you should be answering those <laughs> questions, right? And if you're thinking, I don't have questions, nonsense. Exactly. Right? Have a look at your frequently asked questions. People ask you questions every day. Answer those questions through video content and you'll start to see that engagement. So often one thing for me is look at what your, con your customers want to know. How can you educate them? How can you teach them? How can you build this rapport with them where they keep coming back for more? Um, something I learned through BNI actually is something called VCP, mm -hmm. which is visibility, credibility, profitability. Mm -hmm. People need to see you, see you, see, see you, see you, exactly. see you, see you, see you, see you, see you. And then the credibility kicks in. You have to be giving them knowledge and information True. that they want. And only when they're ready, then they're like, oh, yeah, I'm ready for a video. That's when the profitability kicks in. So those are some of the tips that I give when it comes to content strategy. But honestly, it's really thinking about what does your customer need? How do you make it as relevant to them to educate them as possible? Stay consistent and keep going. And it's I love the thing that you said. You need to decide on how people should know you. Because a lot of us wear different hats. And you can't be wearing these hats uh, to the public. They will get confused. So you need to decide on that 100%. Let's move to the next thing, which is you love video. But a lot of people afraid of camera regardless what's the reason of their being afraid uh, it can be the opinion of people they get paralyzed the camera whatever the reason is but how can people handle this honestly one step at a time i've seen it time and time again that fear that you know that concern but something i always tell everyone is embrace your knowledge mm -hmm. you know don't underestimate your expertise you actually know a lot more about your subject matter and there's always somebody who wants to learn from you and I find that people who are, have that fear are just over self-conscious about how they will perform and are disregarding the fact that they have knowledge that people want to want to hear. So generally, you know, we run workshops regularly where we help people just really refine their message. Because if you're clear on what you're going to say, mm -hmm. then you're not overthinking the words. Like the words should be something that come very naturally. Um, if it's natural, then you won't you won't have that as an an, uh, an objection, right? True. Um, so that's one. Second, I would say do your best to forget the camera. Mm -hmm. Forget it, right? It's as if you're speaking to a friend. It takes practice, but like everything in life, True. you know, you practice, you practice, you get over it. I've seen people in just one weekend go from complete fear to being able to deliver a video. And it's honestly transformational. Um, something that works for me regularly, and I, I, I shared this story with you about Manal Al Alam. She's mm -hmm. a celebrity chef, lovely lady. We were working with her on a cooking series, and I asked her how she got started. And she mentioned that her kids actually helped her put her first video out there. And a week later, they came back and like, Mama, Mama, you have to do a second one. So they helped her with the second one. And within a few years, she grew like over 3 million followers on her Instagram. And it's become a completely new revenue stream for her. She's constantly doing brand collaborations in her basement with this kitchen that she's built. But what I love about her is that this is a woman in her 60s. She didn't grow up filming herself. She didn't grow up with social media. She's an Arabic lady. So you can imagine all the cultural stereotypes of people going, hey, you know, <laughs> you know, and she still <laughs> did imagine. it. You know, so for me, we're seeing more and more examples of strong Arab female and male, you know, examples out there who are really getting visible. And I think once you start to see that, you know, appear, you realize this has now become the norm. It's no longer a nice to have, it is a must have. Mm -hmm. You have to push yourself and do it. 
And just to add to this, 63% of people say that they're more likely to buy from your company if they've seen a video of you. Not true. a video of your company, company a video of you. 100%. You know, because people care about people. That's what actually changes their perception. So nowadays, it's something you have to do. And everything happens with practice. Yeah. You can't start something and become good at it. I remember the time when I, um, and I had to start to speak in the events in Samsung. 12, 13, 14 years back. And I had it, um, a coach, personal, a public speaker coach. And I was a ridiculous guy in speaking. I used to, I have, my, I have a lot of muscles on my face and I used to move them all. So one of the, my main muscle was my eyebrow. My eyebrow was always up. He used to stick a cello tape on it. And I used to move a lot on the, uh, on the ground, on the floor. He used to tap, like put stickers on the floor. You move from here to here, here to here, and that's it. I, I look at a camera now, I can look at the camera and speak. But before, I can't, I can't look at an object and speak. So my eyes were always running around. So he used to put a sticker near, look here. So it's, everything requires practice. Yeah. So don't feel that you can't do it. No, you can do it. But it requires an effort from your side. It requires more practice. And trust me, we were never born to be speaking in front of camera. So just give it a try and be persistent in it. That's what I believe. So Reem, we've been talking about content and media, and currently the landscape is changing, especially with the introduction of AI. Yes, AI is not a new concept, but it's taking a big shift in media and content. What's your opinion on AI and how do you think things will be moving towards? I think AI is another one of those areas where you have to learn, you have to adapt. If you don't, you'll die. And it's just one of those facts of life. And as much as possible, we're doing our best as an organization to really start to learn and understand all the very, very many, many, many tools True. and softwares that keep popping up every second mm -hmm. day. There's some new tool. Um, so I genuinely feel like we're at a time where the best thing you can do is embrace it, mm -hmm. um, understand it, learn it and see how you can apply it. Because mm -hmm. ultimately, it's going to be the people who understand AI and utilize it that will still be around years True. from now. Um, and for me, I take that very seriously. So coming back to how we started about pivoting, mm -hmm. like that's potentially another pivot. True. You know, it's still in the world of video because yes, there are a lot of tools out there now that can help you produce videos, help give you a synthetic voiceover, help you with your subtitles, mm -hmm. help you edit, help you storyboard. Like every element of our workflow is now possible with an AI tool. It may not be at the level that we want it to be at yet, but I don't think it'll be too long before we get there. In fact, I recently asked an AI expert, mm. um, you know, just in terms of how long he thought my industry would still stand a chance. And he said six to 12 months. Wow. And interestingly, he was like, don't worry, you still have six to 12 mm. months. I'm like, six to 12 months? <laughs> no. You know, so if anything, <laughs> you know, it's, it's become urgent. It's become urgent and important to really look at how to adapt in a changing world and rather be at the forefront of that trend and forefront of that change rather than be following behind mm -hmm. in, in, in the end. So I feel very strongly that we need to embrace whatever's coming and that's what's going to set you up for success going forward. Mm -hmm. You believe AI in a, in a form it will not eliminate people or, or jobs, but it will help content creators or like companies to speed up their work, which eliminating or making things more efficient and speeding up? I think that's a great question and mm -hmm. I think it's both. So, I mean, I'm definitely looking at it from a utilization and speeding up our workflow because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, you know, we have a team of experts and I think that, you know, 
putting these tools in the hands of people who don't understand the industry, mm -hmm. you're still not going to have the True. best results. So you still need that combination of the background, the understanding of lighting, the understanding of color, the understanding of framing. All of these things are still inherent when you've, you've grown in this industry. However, the AI tools will help you become more efficient and help you speed up. So I think it's a combination of both. I'm really hoping it doesn't result in the extinction, mm -hmm. but you know, I think you have to be prepared for sure. all eventualities. And if it means that we pivot into a world where we're supporting content creators and supporting businesses with the AI tools, tools. they need, maybe that's what needs to happen. Absolutely. It makes me a little sad, but, but at maybe least that's be what needs to happen. To act. Absolutely. 100%. 100%. Reem, you love video. Can you give a, to people a structure how they can create a video? In a, like, I would say a structure, a template. So because some people go to the video and just like say whatever they want. I don't understand that they can say whatever you want. But at the end of the day, everything is structured. If you do it correctly, you will gain what you want or you will reach the objectives. So what's the structure of a great video? I feel very strongly about this. I feel very strongly that your videos should all be short. Because if you remember, our social media strategy is to attract the audience that don't already know us. Mm -hmm. So it's not about our friends and family who'll tune in to podcasts like this or True. who'll tune, or you've already got a fan when mm -hmm. they tune into long form True. content. So coming back to a structure, if I'm looking at a typical 45 second to one minute video, the key to all of this is your opening line, your hook. How are you gonna get them interested in this video? And when I say a hook, you're looking at typically, probably a statistic, probably a question they can relate to. So something I normally say is, did you know that 93% of people have made a sale using a video on social media? Hmm. When I say something like that, people are like, oh my God, 93%, mm -hmm. I need to find out more. Yeah. You know, or I'll say something like, have you been trying to get in front of a camera, but you're just feeling a little uncomfortable? You know, when I say something mm -hmm. like that, True. now I have another world of people like, oh my God, yeah, I feel that way too. Yeah. You know, so it's like they're relating. <laughs> True. So that hook is mm -hmm. really important in terms of getting people in. So hook, number hook one. Hook is number one. Number two is I normally add a credibility sentence. Mm -hmm. What is a credibility sentence? Remember, these are people who don't know you. So you don't want to overwhelm them with all of your expertise. It's one sentence, one sentence where you say something like, having been in the industry for over 25 years, I can tell you that the most important thing for you to do is to be clear about your message. So in that one sentence, I've told people I've been in the industry for 25 years. So that is a credi credibility builder. Mm -hmm. Alternatively, I could maybe do something like saying, Having worked with organizations like Expo, EGA, DMI, I can tell you that even the large mm -hmm. corporates pay attention to this in their videos. True. So again, now people are hearing the kind of clients I work with. So that credibility sentence, and it can change in every video, mm -hmm. but it just helps educate people True. about why they should be listening to you and not someone else. So number one is the hook. Hook. Credibility, credibility. sentence. Number three, now we get into the body of our email. What is the point of the email? Giving them three clear tips. I say three because if you go over three, your video is going to go over a minute. Mm -hmm. So either you go for my top tip four or your the top three tips are. Mm -hmm. Don't exceed this because you don't want to impact the duration. So that's your clear body mm -hmm. and you want to keep it short. This is not a shopping list. This is literally point one, educate one, educate two, educate three. So do your best to educate and provide value. Mm -hmm. So value in the body. That's number three. And number four is where you have your call to action. So call to action, it's important to ask people what you want them to do next, True. right? And when I say that, you can't sit there and say, subscribe and comment and send me an email and DM. Like you're confusing people. Mm -hmm. Pick one. one. 
pick one call to action per video and I'd go for something engagement related. Leave a comment, leave a question, DM me. The one caveat I do want to mm-hmm. share is that the majority of engagement that I have is on my DMs. That's the majority. Mm-hmm. And most people feel really low when they put their content out there and they're like, I told them to comment. Nobody, Nobody. commented. Mm-hmm. Nobody liked. The content didn't work. I'm like, decide what your objective is. For me, my objective is inbound inquiries. Mm-hmm. And inbound inquiries don't usually show up in on likes comments. and comments. True. Right? They usually show up in a DM. Mm-hmm. So as long as you're measuring the DMs that you're, you're receiving and how they translate to opportunities, don't be so worried about what's happening on that, pro, on that post. True. Think about your own behavior, right? You probably watch a lot of content. Absolutely. Do you like and comment on everything? Yeah, no, mm-hmm. many people don't. Mm-hmm. So I think as long as you're following this structure, you're following a format, you're staying succinct, you're hooking people in, you're giving them value, you're telling them what to do, that's your job. And you keep doing that consistently. The day will come where someone is interested in finding out more and they will DM you. Consistency, consistency, consistency. So here you have the structure, four things. Hook, credibility, the body, and the call to action. Thank you, Reem, for this. Let's go a little bit of a twist. A mindset. Tony Robbins, of course. But let's talk more about limiting beliefs and how you handle the limiting beliefs as Reem. So I'm quite militant mm-hmm. um, in a way that I literally... Um, I know that in order for me to achieve anything, I need to stay in a very positive state of mind. So I literally cut off anybody mm-hmm. who will give me an opposing mm-hmm. viewpoint mm-hmm. or any form of negativity. Uh-huh. This could be seen as a negative because mm-hmm. I understand it's important to hear opinions. opinions yeah, but I know that if I've set my mind on visualizing and seeing an outcome, I don't want to be distracted by mm-hmm. anything. So for me, it's really important cut off all the naysayers as much as possible Mm -hmm. and that for me is was a very big mindset shift because sometimes uh, it's unfair to always call it negativity but the confusion can come from your family can come from your friends can come from your closest closest people in your life Mm. Um, and i learned that quite early so i happen to have as many arab girls do a very overprotective mother Mm -hmm. right i love my mom Mm -hmm. but i know that if i share an idea with her before it's happened and suddenly there's a hundred and one yeah it's protective but it's a hundred and one reasons why this is not going to work right so i've kind of learned that like to have the phone call after it's done yes you know so you kind of you learn those techniques to like focus on achieving the mission and then inform whoever you want to inform but don't be sidetracked don't allow those thoughts and negativity through Mm -hmm. i've heard a lot recently about protecting or guarding your mind yes you know guarding Mm, the voices in your mind so that's something that's that's really important i say going even beyond that i really believe in in being positive so Mm -hmm. coming off tony robbins Mm -hmm. and he you know he emphasizes the importance of being outstanding so i literally go around telling everyone i'm outstanding my whole team know mm-hmm. that they all have to be outstanding all the time. Sure. I'm not in denial. I know things happen in people's lives. But I think if you surround yourself with people who are always positive, that innately ensures you're in a positive environment and that enables you to focus on achieving what you want to achieve. Okay. But can you give people, like, what dream, for example, on a daily basis, some routines or habits that you do to ensure that you have a positive mindset? Um, honestly, I think mm-hmm. one of the biggest things that I've been doing for almost 10 years is I write a gratitude journal every Love night. It. 
-hmm. And my gratitude journal has done wonders for my life. And I actually remember very clearly because it was a year in the middle that I felt a bit grumpy and I didn't do it. And I could mm. feel the difference. And, and I genuinely, at the end of the day, I'll write down five things that I'm grateful for that day. Mm -hmm. And they're not the typical, it's not, I'm alive. Yeah. You know, it's like, I really, really try, <laughs> you know, I really try and find the things that have happened throughout the day that mm -hmm. people have said or done or contributed. And what I realized is since doing that, I'm actually looking for them on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. So on a daily exactly. basis, mm -hmm. you know, as my day Having goes, awareness. yeah, I'm like, True. oh, that's going to make it in my mm -hmm. journal. Oh, that's the second one True. of my journal. So I'm always on this mission. And I think once you're aware of it, it really does make a very big difference. Sitting there writing it every night. I know it's an amazing book to mm -hmm. flick through. It's like mm -hmm. an amazing, you now have a whole gratitude journal for life. Like you know? In a year, at the end of the year, if you look over it, oh my God, yeah. the wins that you have. And it's gratitude. Yeah. And what pushes us more is self-awareness and gratitude. That's what I believe as it, well. It honestly, like looking back at that, it reminds you of all the positives in your life. I'm, I've taken it a step further. And in my company, we have a gratitude chat group, mm -hmm. right? So what that means is anytime anyone does anything for anyone else, it goes in the chat group. Mm -hmm. It sounds like such a minor yeah. thing. But actually, it's difference. teaching everybody to recognize all of these gestures and mm -hmm. recognize the impact they have. So I would say that's probably one of the biggest daily rituals that I've had for years mm -hmm. that has had like a, an actual concrete impact mm -hmm. on my day-to-day -day life. I love that. When we were talking before the, the show, you told me you love massive action. Okay, so massive action usually takes you outside of your comfort zone. So give, give us or share with us a moment that you stepped out of the comfort zone and really did a huge impact. Because a lot of people are afraid to step out of the comfort zone. And when, you, when we were sitting and you told me, massive action. <sighs> Share with us a massive action. I've got so many. Yeah. I've got so many because it's been such a, such a big impact. But um, I'll try and summarize a mm -hmm. few because I think uh, one was, you know, I remember uh, very clearly leaving my position at uh, Dubai One. Mm -hmm. And it was one of those things where everyone thought I was crazy because I was like senior management, great salary, you know, in charge of big mm -hmm. teams, big events. Like, why would you leave this mm -hmm. position, you know? And, um, and I just and knew... And a big company. Yeah. A big brand. And, and I just kind of got to that point where I was like, I just knew I couldn't continue this. I didn't know what my next adventure mm -hmm. was, but I was tired. I was burnt out. I knew this wasn't the right environment. And I remember so clearly in my last day, my last day at Dubai One, and someone just mentioned that Mission Impossible was going to be filming in Dubai. Mm -hmm. And it was like a switch that went off in my head. Mission Impossible. And I've been obsessed with films and I'm like, coming to Dubai, I have to get on this mm -hmm. movie. So I remember my last day at the time, the weekends were Friday, Saturday. My last day was a Thursday. The Friday, I fixed my CV and I rang everyone I knew in the industry. Do you know anyone working on Mission Impossible? Do you know anyone working? Do you know anyone working on Mission Impossible? Eventually, I spoke with a creative director, and she's like, "Yeah, I know the production manager quite well. She's coming to dinner tomorrow night. I'm coming to dinner, right?" So <laughs> I went to dinner, and I'm sitting at this dinner, and you know when you're sitting there and you're like waiting, you're waiting for that moment to be like, you know, how do I ring this up? Mm -hmm. And eventually, she's like. Kareem's just left her position at Dubai One. I'm like, and I'm available. And she's like, oh, well, we've, we've filled all the vacancies. I'm like, no, 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 I will do anything. You know, she's like, well, we've, you know, we would really, I don't think we have, I said, no, no, anything. We might have a vacancy on transport. I will do transport. No I'm problem. Done. I'll uh -huh. do transport. You'll have to do an interview. I'll do the interview. <laughs> so I had an interview the next day and I started as a transport coordinator cool. the following day. And I think for me, that was 
incredibly amusing because mm -hmm. I don't even drive. So for many people, they're like, <laughs> you're a transport coordinator. And this was a perfect example of me having a conversation with my mom. And she was like, so you're trying to tell me that you left a position as an executive producer at a broadcast government broadcast mm -hmm. station to manage people's cars. Oh. And I was like, Yes, mom, on a massive broadcast, a <laughs> massive Bollywood, Hollywood movie. Hollywood, yeah, and I'll let you know exactly. how it goes. And it was just one of those feelings where it was, it felt like massive action to me because yeah, whatever was going to happen, I was going to make it on that movie. If it meant I had to call everyone, go anywhere, do anything. And within, no joke, within three days, my last day was a Thursday at Dubai One, Friday CV, Saturday dinner, Sunday interview, Monday I started, you know, so... Mm -hmm. And I've had, because of these experiences and I've seen, I've seen how those shifts have impacted my life. I think it is, it has made uncomfortable action more accessible, mm -hmm. you know? So I've now got to a, a place in my life where, you know what? We can do it. Just Done. go, do it, mm -hmm. act and it'll happen. You know? you know, a lot of people, uh, when they want to do an action or to make a move, they think that they have to have the full plan, the full map before they even put their first step in it. And I do, I do believe that it's very hard to have a full plan then you decide to go to the next I step. I have zero plan. Zero plan. If, but you have a goal. Totally. I'm a visualizer. Exactly. You know, so I believe mm -hmm. in vision boards. I believe in knowing what you mm -hmm. want, having it all laid out, and then focus on that vision. And I believe in it. I actually teach workshops in this. Mm -hmm. That's how passionate mm -hmm. I am about mm -hmm. vision boards. But I believe in it so much because it does something. It activates your reticular activator. Oh, yes, so yeah. as soon as that's activated, now you're like spotting these opportunities Absolutely. everywhere, right? Mm -hmm. And because you're spotting them, you're now in a position where you know what to do next. True. Um, I mean, I'll give you another very, very brief example. Mm. But um, so I remember working out in this, uh, in this gym and uh, I needed to go to the washroom and I went upstairs mm. and I could see this massive office space, mm -hmm. massive. And, I, and it was empty. And honestly, I've never done this in my life, mm -hmm. but I don't know what happened. I, I just felt like I had to see it, you know? Mm -hmm. I opened the door and I walked in, right? I, do, I walked in, uh -huh. it was a vacant office. I'm walking around and in my head, I'm like, this is going to be the office. I could just see it. I could see it. Mm -hmm. And I was like visualizing it. I could see it. I went home that night. I couldn't stop sleeping. I could I was like, Put it on your vision board I literally was visualizing. Yeah. I imagined the, the, the walls where I was uh -huh. going to sit, where the team was going to sit. And I asked uh, the gym instructor, I was like, what's happened to the office upstairs? And she's like, oh, the previous tenants just left, you know? So the mm -hmm. landlord is probably quite open. I'm uh -huh. like, it's huge. Like it must be really yeah, expensive. expensive. Like mm -hmm. it's a massive space. And she's like, oh, you, you know, I don't know. I was so obsessed that when I woke up the next day, I remember going into, we had a shoot that day. And I remember saying, I don't know how we are going to be in that office before our company anniversary in two months. Like, I don't know how it's going to happen. I visualized it. We're going to be in that office. Mm -hmm. right? And I, I messaged, uh, I got the landlord's number, messaged him. And I was like, sure, it's really expensive. But just for my curiosity's sake, I just would like to know what the number is. And then he started asking me questions about what I did. And, and we started talking. He's like, oh, you do video? Yes, you do production? Awesome. Oh, we need a lot of support with our video. Amazing. Let's meet. Great. We met around seven times in that two-week process. And we ended up finalizing pretty apart barter arrangement. Cool. And in two weeks, I was holding the keys. I love visualization. You know? And it to is. me, on a serious note, had you asked me two weeks before, I'd be like, I know I'm going to be there. I don't mm -hmm. know how. Had you asked me a week before... It wasn't even on the, mm -hmm. on the map, mm -hmm. you know, True. 
but it's purely like how many people will go get the phone number harass the guy mm, meet him get a deal seven so, meetings yeah, yeah. so it, it is the massive action and mm. i think that's where people get confused with visualization mm -hmm. they think because they've stuck uh, it on a board they the, and they uh, hope exactly, and they yeah. wish and oh it didn't come true mm -hmm. this year what did you do about it getting mm. coming true i sit every weekend every weekend i sit with my board with my schedule true. did i do anything to help me move forward no 100%. how will i plan it next week it's it's an active it's an action True. board more than mm. it is a vision board and i think you need to be adding those elements in and scheduling the time if you're going to be able to achieve, to achieve these things in your life 100 let's talk about entrepreneurship a little bit what do you think from Reem perspective one of the most important skill that an entrepreneur should have from Reem perspective one of the most important skills skill that people should develop themselves um, honestly, I've mm. had to push myself to talk to people mm. because mm. I, I actually naturally always felt I was more of an introvert. I don't enjoy networking. Mm -hmm. A lot of people see me as an amazing networker. Mm -hmm. I'd be much happier on my couch mm. watching Netflix. Mm. So I've had to teach myself and push myself to do that mm -hmm. because I've realized the importance of building relationships and building relationships only happen. So I think as a number one skill, I would say, communicate, build those relationships, put yourself out there. Because if you're not putting yourself out there, then you're doing yourself a disservice and it's very difficult to grow. Totally, I mean, communication is extremely important. But how do you develop yourself? In so in my case, because I... Because I see a lot of people who are shy. They, don't, they just don't want to mingle with people. Like some tips, how can they improve their communication skills? So in my case, I was very fortunate because I joined BNI mm -hmm. and BNI is kind of like a school for adults. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like you join a group and then you, you see this group every week. Mm -hmm. I, I went for 10 years mm -hmm. at 6.30 in the morning every week, True. right? So, you know, after the first... That's discipline. It mm -hmm. is. But it's like mm -hmm. after the first one, you feel uncomfortable. The second one, you feel a bit less uncomfortable. The third one, okay, I know these people now. They're friends. Mm -hmm. the fourth, so I kind of built my skills in a comfortable setting. So once you get comfortable and you're like, now you've gone from being like a school, someone on the first day of school mm -hmm. to a prefect, you know? Mm -hmm. So now you have that confidence to when new people come in, you're like, hi, how are you? What do you do? Um, I'd also say like, I remember those early days, I'd go somewhere with a mission. Mm -hmm. I'd go somewhere, exactly. you know, with mm -hmm. a, okay, I'm going to show up here, but in order for this to be a valuable use of my time, I need to make sure I've met 10 people. Mm -hmm. And I've met 10 people in some kind of meaningful way. And I have some kind of contact with them that I'll be able to follow up with them after. So I would literally do that. I'd go in one, two, three, four, five. Right. Okay, khalas, job done. done. I can leave. Uh, you know? But at done. least at yeah. least I was there for a purpose and I left. The other tip that you get taught, taught often is to stay near the entrance. Because mm -hmm. you stay near the entrance, people arrive. True. It's much easier to be like, hi, mm -hmm. how are you? Greet, whatever. True. Um, and obviously networking with other people in the beginning was great because, you know, if you know each other, they introduce you, you introduce mm -hmm. them. Now I've kind of gone off that a little bit because I feel like when I network with other people, I don't network as much on my own. Mm -hmm. So I've realized it's become more of a blanket and a comfort True. zone. But in the beginning, it was very helpful. In the beginning, it felt like, okay, I'm not doing this on my own. You know, we can support each other on this journey. So True. just a few suggestions. Because I believe a lot of people, when they think about communication, they think it's only like going online, having a course, go through a course and it's done. No, communication is about doing the action, like joining groups, uh, be disciplined. Reem said that she was doing it for 10 years. That's discipline. So you need to do the actions. I'm not even a morning person. 
Like Ooh. honestly, I hate waking up. I hate it. <laughs> six thirty in the morning. But you know, it's because I could see the results. You know, I True. saw results. It made sense. So. so do the action. Join groups to improve your communication skill. I totally agree that part of your success as an entrepreneur, or even in life, in relationship, whatever, is your ability to communicate with other people. Join groups. Competition is extremely fierce. How do you stay ahead? I have an interesting opinion about competition. Mm -hmm. I don't look at mine. So for me, it's like I'm I'm competing with myself, That's right? 100%. You know, Agreed. so I I genuinely don't. Mm -hmm. I genuinely don't know what anyone else is doing. I don't care. Mm -hmm. That's their business and that's their journey. I want to make sure that we're always doing the next best thing, or mm -hmm. we're moving ahead on our path. Mm -hmm. So for me, what I do look at occasionally is what's happening in other markets, mm -hmm. because I find that those markets are ahead of the exactly. market we're Benchmark, in. Yeah. So I want to know. I want to be aware of AI and what's happening mm -hmm. in the US and what's happening True. everywhere else, so that I can learn from that and see how I can adapt Utilize. that into what I'm doing here. But in terms of my local competition, I genuinely mm -hmm. don't look and, and I'm okay with that. A couple of days back, I um, had one of my team members. He's always keep me up to date with the competition. I said, I don't look. Yeah. I really don't look. I have a goal. I have an objective. I'm going through this. Yes, I benchmark abroad to give me the edge, but I really don't, don't look at the local competition. I also think there's enough work for everybody, you know? So it's like, why why bother going down that path? You know, yeah, it's fine. True. Like, you stick, I'm happy. 100%. 100%. And actually, sorry, just yeah, to add sure. on to that, I've had a lot of competition become collaborators, mm -hmm. you know? So it's also understanding that just because you look like competition doesn't mean, mean you actually are. Or enemies, you know, Some true. of my best partners are other production companies, mm. you know, because there's probably an area that they specialize in that I don't. I have a couple actually who are almost like our back end, mm -hmm. you know, so it, it, you need to look for ways to work together more than focus on fighting each side. other in a way. Yeah. When we talked about skills, we talked about communications and what comes with communications comes networking. And just in a nutshell, we do understand that networking is extremely important. Mm, the more handshakes you make, the more money you make your network is net worth dream for me you're a great a great network can you give people tips that they can really execute on to build their network what will you say about tips i think we touched on it earlier yeah. which is um building work sorry joining groups you know mm -hmm. so for me joining groups is a big one um i mentioned bni already that was a great starting platform for mm -hmm. me i'm still very involved in the organization because it's it's how you build relationships you know, Yal, that's how we met. Yeah. So Young Arab Leaders was another one. But I'm very active in many networks. Mm -hmm. And I've realized that there are different networks for different purposes as True. well. So, you know, there are the networks that you learn from and then there are the networks that you grow with mm -hmm. and the networks that, you know, you have opportunities with and there are masterminds that you share. So I think it's being open to what different communities and different groups can give. I think also don't underestimate your social circle because some social groups you know, allow for a different level of networking. Mm -hmm. So maybe exploring that as well. You mean online? It could or be online social? or even physical, ah, okay. even physical. Mm -hmm. But something, when coming to online, something that Stephen Bartlett said recently, mm -hmm. which really caught my attention, mm -hmm. where he actually said that content, content creation is the new networking. True. And I love that sentence. Mm -hmm. Because I, and he, you posted on your LinkedIn. I did, because mm -hmm. I really believe it. Yeah. And when I heard him say it, I'm like, obviously, you know. And mm -hmm. he was mentioning how he now goes to an event and speaks at an event and will literally come off stage and go straight onto his LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. And I've seen it happen. I've seen how just being active on LinkedIn, you create new LinkedIn online relationships. You know, I'm in theory, I'm here because True. of a referral from someone I met on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. And it's 
it just keeps um, building on the online space. So I would say being active online. I'd say one of the theor- the the mantras of BNI as well is givers gain. Mm-hmm. Find opportunities to give. give. Every opportunity you give, it comes back tenfold. True. You know, so whether it be on the online space or whether it be in physical space, if you've managed to build a network, the likelihood is you can help others. Hundred percent. You know, so it's looking for those opportunities to help, and the day will come where you'll need help, and there will be people there ready to help. On a scale you. one to ten, how networking helped you in your career? Ten. Ten. It's a massive 10, 10, 10. Uh, the Alpha Talks podcast mission is to craft people into alphas and uh, as well craft uh, alpha businesses. How do you define alpha? For me, an alpha is someone who takes massive action. It's mm-hmm. someone who just gets it done. You know, so no excuses, no compromises. Put a plan out there, set an objective, and just do it. I love that. I love the twist. Totally agree. Love that. What, happen- what habits do you have daily besides the journaling that you think because a, a person like you i do believe you have a routine of learning every day do you have that because oh share with us what kind of routines do you have every day as a habits that contribute to your success i do learn every day the mm-hmm. first thing i do when i wake up is i play a podcast so mm-hmm. as i'm getting ready as i'm getting dressed you know all of that i'm, I'm always taking in new information mm-hmm. i'm always listening to something actually so i'm very much someone who's trying to utilize my time, mm-hmm. multitask, you know, mm-hmm. if, I'm, if I happen to be walking somewhere, going somewhere, my earpods are on and I'm listening. So I'm very grateful for the evolution in audio and audiobooks because mm-hmm. I think that's helped me enormously. Um, having said that, I am a reader as well. Mm-hmm. So I'll often try and uh, get some reading done. Mm-hmm. Admittedly, more audio now than physical, yeah. um, but that's part of my daily routine mm-hmm. from the minute I woke, wake up. So learning every day. Yep. It's a journey, actually. You talked about reading. What's your top three books that, that you can share with that helps people to develop themselves? There are so many True. books and picking my top yeah. three is going to be really difficult. Yeah. I'm going to go with three very different books, just what's coming to my mind. The Alchemist. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, just because that was one of the first books I read. Yeah, me too. Me too. Actually, yeah. yeah me too. You know, and I remember mm-hmm. reading that book and just feeling really inspired yeah, at the end. Um, so, and it's a very like it's an easy book to read. Yes. It's mellow. Yeah, so true. before you get into anything too mm-hmm. hard hitting, so The Alchemist, uh, Paulo Coelho for mm-hmm. sure. I then go to the Emeth. So the Emeth, I got very obsessed with that whole the world. You know, just because it was a great way to really distinguish between people who are entrepreneurs and people who are business owners and people who are just passionate about their hobbies and how to really evolve your business from working in it to working Mm -hmm. on it. So I'm a big fan of the um, E-Myth by Michael Gerber. Mm -hmm. And I would say I'm also a big fan of Blue Ocean Strategy. Mm -hmm. And I find Blue Ocean Strategy is one of those books that really made me think, keep thinking about the value of pivoting and evolving into spaces where no one is, mm-hmm. you know, move. So I've never been afraid to be the first to do the something or to go into mm-hmm. a land and be a first, an early adopter. And I think when you read Blue Ocean Strategy, it reminds you of the importance of being first and differentiating and creating an offering that doesn't already exist mm-hmm. and to not be scared of that move. True. I love these three books. My favorite from three is the amazing one. Yeah. Read it, guys. It's an amazing book. Okay, what advice would you give to your younger self? Oh, I wish I was Mm -hmm. this confident when I was younger. You know, I think it took me Mm -hmm. a really long time to, you know, 
Arab Muslim mm-hmm. girl in a in the UK growing mm-hmm. up. I think you have a lot of stereotypical and cultural um, restrictions. Mm-hmm. And I think as I got older, I started to own my voice more. And I think I'm now finally at a point where I say this in the nicest possible way that I don't care. Like I'm now finally at a point that I'm going to do what feels right. I'm going to move in the direction I want to move in. I'm going to take the action that I want to take to achieve the results I want to achieve. Mm-hmm. And I wish that I had embodied that a lot earlier in my journey um, because I think I was I was living life too much for other people and less for myself. Mm-hmm. You touched upon a, an important thing, which is confidence. Just pass it. How can people build confidence? I don't think it's an easy journey. I think it's something that takes time Mm -hmm. and I think it's something you take steps. Mm -hmm. Um, So I know a lot of people who teach it, you know, Mm -hmm. so if you're, if you're really struggling, maybe you need to be taught. Mm -hmm. Maybe you need to go to like confidence coaches and Mm -hmm. public speaking coaches. Um, I know people who evolved dramatically through organizations like Toastmasters, Mm -hmm. you know, that really force you to speak, speak. you know, or even drama, Mm -hmm. you know, anything related to like putting yourself out there makes a very big difference. But I would say sometimes it's the smaller decisions. Sometimes it's learning to say no. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's like looking at a situation and like just speaking up. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's entering that meeting and instead of walking out thinking, I had such a great idea. It's Mm -hmm. like share the idea. You know, it's like giving yourself those those personal KPIs on a daily basis. But what can you do today to just show people a little bit more of yourself, which maybe you wouldn't have before. Mm -hmm. And I think over time, that confidence starts to build when you realize that you have value in what you're saying. People care. Your experience matters. And it's time that you embrace your own niche and embrace your knowledge. True. And it takes some people a lot of time before they almost need to see it reflected back before they take the stand on their own. 100%. You know, I have a lovely saying that when people tell me how to build confidence, I usually, let me ask you this. Confidence, do you believe confidence is a state or is it a result? It's a result. Well, it's funny you say that because now I believe it's a state. Mm-hmm. But again, that's because of my Tony Robbins work. Like now I believe that mm-hmm. you are in a situation where you can put yourself in whatever state you need to be mm-hmm. in. So if I want to be confident oh today, my God. I, you know, because Tony Robbins is all about states. He is. Okay. is confidence? <laughs> it's a result or a result? <laughs> Okay, um, it is a result. You know, I'm trying to think about another term except state because state 100% is Tony Robbins. It's it's a result of being in the right state. It is, you know, because whatever you do, you know, it's it's a result of the actions that you take. You know, you choose your actions Mm -hmm. at the end of the day. So if you can decide how to behave and doing that over and over and over again will eventually result in the confidence Mm -hmm. that you're missing. Because I always tell people, like, if you want to be confident, there are a couple of things that you can do, which is easy. Again, I believe it's a result that you have to take an action in order to become confident. But stack your wins. A lot of people put extremely high goals, mm-hmm. hard goals, and they can't get it right away, so they can't build the confidence. No, put small goals, small wins, whatever the win is for you. Um, walking your dog in the morning uh, at 8 o'clock in the morning, you can consider it a win for you. So you're stacking, you're being consistent on it. So you stack your confidence. That's one thing. The second thing is like from a perspective of, from a confidence, again, confidence perspective, take the massive action. Like, as you said, for example, when you decided to leave Dubai one, that's something that internally in, in your thought said, I want to leave this place. And in order to build your confidence, you have to work 
on your thought. So when you say something to yourself and you do it, you build confidence as well. So being genuine with yourself, being whatever you say you do, that's actually build confidence as well. So these two things that I believe in building the confidence for people. I want to smooth things a little bit down. I want you to share with the audience a hidden talent, a hidden skill. Nobody knows about it. Even Ahmed doesn't know about it. So what will be this one? You promise you're not going to make me show you, right? Poo. <laughs> okay. I can't promise. <laughs> it depends on it. So I am very passionate about singing. Oh. Yeah, so I'm a singer. Oh, and really? Yeah, and I was in a jazz choir, and I used to be in my chamber choir growing up, and I started a meetup group, and we've got like 300 people. Wow, and, I didn't uh, know that. Yeah, it's called Dubai Canaries, and uh -huh. uh, basically because I really believe that anyone can sing, and a canary mm -hmm. is born without being able to sing, and it learns True. from the other birds mm -hmm. around it. So, uh, so yeah, singing. Cool. Did I promise? Yeah, 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 Did done. I <laughs> My throat hurts today. <laughs> Great. Um, before we finish the episode, Rima, I loved it. I love the passion that you're speaking with. But before we end the episode, we have a ritual. So we have the alpha memoir, this alpha memoir. You need to do three things in it. Number one is I want you to write the, your experience in the alpha box, what you feel. Because, again, everything is about emotions and state. And number two, I want you to write a question to the next Alpha guest. They will, you, they will not know that the question is coming from who, and it's just a way of connecting, okay? And the third one is who do you recommend to be the next Alpha guest who will really impact people and inspire people watching the Alpha Talks? So you will need to write these sure. in the memoir. Done. And there's a question from the Alpha guest is, that you need to answer is... If you could change one thing in your life, what would that be? Ooh. You know what? Mm -hmm. You're not going to like my answer. I wouldn't change anything mm -hmm. because I'm a really strong believer that I am the person I am today because of everything I've experienced in my life. I'm also a very big believer in having no regrets. Mm -hmm. So at least the second half of my life, I've been very focused on doing whatever I feel I need to do in the moment because I don't want to have that regret. Mm -hmm. So looking back, even the mistakes I've made, even the mistakes I've made, I'd make them again because I've learned something from them from and them. that's what's resulted in who I am today. So to answer that question, mm -hmm. I honestly don't think I would change anything. Mm -hmm. At all. At all. I love that. So Reem, thank you very much for being with us today. I hope you really enjoyed it as I did. And that's a wrap up a wrap of another inspiring episode of the Alpha Talks podcast. I hope that this episode has inspired you and inspired your inner Alpha and left you feeling inspired, motivated, and ready to conquer any challenge that comes your way. That wraps another inspiring episode of today's show. I hope that this episode has ignited your inner Alpha and left you feeling inspired, motivated and ready to conquer any challenge that comes your way. Remember, alphas aren't born, they're made. It isn't about dominating others. It's about embracing your authenticity, leading with integrity and making a positive impact on the world. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe to the Alpha Talks on your favorite podcast platform. Leave us a review and share the podcast with your fellow alphas. 
Also connect with us on social media at Safe Hakim. Share your thoughts, insight, and stories of personal and business growth with us. Let's create a movement of alphas supporting one another. The world needs more alphas like you, exactly. Until next time, stay bold, stay driven, and stay alpha.